First of all, a statement on migration issues in the United Kingdom. This meeting was the first opportunity we'd had as a bishops' conference to talk about these issues together for a while. And actually this statement therefore is from every bishop. It was unanimously agreed. There are three characteristics to this paper. One is that it's actually an appeal to people. You see the opening and the closing paragraphs are addressed to Catholics and people of goodwill. And I, and I think that's very important that we noted that among many people in the United Kingdom, there is a positive response. So there is a generous response to those in need. We saw that in the response of those willing to offer housing to Ukrainian refugees. And we've seen it consistently over the years with the community support projects and the partnerships in all manner of outreach to those who are in desperate need. And yet, Afghans are still in hotels and the Ukrainian processes for getting people from Ukraine are very slow and cumbersome. I think there is a bit of a mismatch between the willingness of people and the effectiveness of our systems. The second characteristic of this paper is that it presents basic principles. So the fundamental principle you can read is that of human dignity, the dignity of every person. And that gives rise to the pattern of human rights with which we're familiar. So the second principle is the right to apply for asylum. And this is well established in international law. It goes back to the 1951 convention, but it is there. It's not a right to receive asylum, but it's the right to apply for asylum. And the third basic principle is that obviously international cooperation is needed if this increasing problem, not decreasing problem, is going to be addressed with any sense of compassion and effectiveness. The third characteristic of this statement is that it includes some comments of critique. Clearly, we accept the complexity of these problems. We clearly accept the weight of responsibility on policymakers. But there are two specific things that we wanted to say. Policies, some of which fail in the basic commitments that as a state we've given, particularly that of providing due process for the testing of claims. And the second critique that we offer in this statement is that policies should not be aimed at mistaken targets. The Nationalities and Borders Act, we suggest, actually threatens to criminalize people who have been victims. So many, many victims of human trafficking have been involved in criminal activity by the nature of their imprisonment, their status as trafficked people. And the Nationalities and Borders Act has the potential to start a process whereby they could be deported. And that, again, is targeting victims. And similarly, obviously, you would expect us to give full support to a concerted effort against human trafficking and against people smuggling, though those two things are quite different. And we state very clearly, crime is defeated by confronting the perpetrators, not by punishing the victims. The second statement was about returning to mass, the Catholic practice, the manner in which a fundamental duty to worship God is to be fulfilled. 
this is the fourth of the statements that we've made about the importance of this hallmark of Catholic life. And you can see the statement is fashioned in a very positive way. That the duty to attend Mass is a privilege, and the duty is there to back up the privilege. Our perception is that now there is freedom to attend. Most activities that people indulge in are now without limitations. There is a freedom to attend Mass, but always there have been exceptions within the Catholic tradition for those who, by reason of health or by reason of other responsibilities or by reason of legitimate fear, are impeded, are not in that sense failing in their duty. Their duty might be precisely to continue in the care that they're offering to others. This statement also speaks about the gratitude that we have for the generosity and inventiveness of those who kept, sustained the celebration of Mass and the services of this church in the last two years of the pandemic. And finally, it makes a point that attending Mass is not simply a private action. It is also an act of public witness. I remember well as a young priest in Liverpool visiting people and uh, meeting people on the landings of the tenement block saying, you know that family down there, they're Catholics, but they've stopped going to Mass. And I said, well, so what's it to you? Oh, no, no, no. They said, we all know who goes to Mass. And in a sense, those who do go to Mass represent the people living around them quite often. So they're the two statements. Other issues that I'd like to mention were the Ukraine. We spent a long time reflecting on the, uh, the tensions and the complexity of the conflict in the Ukraine on its global dimensions and on its existential threat. We talked about the response in this country to the needs of people coming from the Ukraine. We had Bishop Kenneth of the Catholic Ukrainian community in London. He spoke eloquently of the wide support that he'd received from the Jewish community, from Prince Charles, from the Duke of Westminster, from all sorts of sources as he sent a, establishes a welcome centre in Binney Street, just off Oxford Street, to act as a focal point for Ukrainian people arriving uh, in this country. We received from our organization called CSAM, Caritas Social Action Network, about the work that's being done across the diocese. And we noted over and again the difficulties that those who are seeking through the Housing Ukrainian Scheme are having of completing the bureaucracy and we're making representation about that with the government. Another point that was important in our conversations was our reflections and action on the food crisis and the cost of living. As I mentioned, the Caritas Social Action Network is an umbrella organization that brings together now more than 30 Catholic organizations who respond to these causes. That's building social alliances. It is establishing a Caritas Academy for the training of leaders and for the inset of clergy. And that coordinates lots of the activities diocese by diocese. Many dioceses link up with local authorities. For example, here 
We link up with homeless projects, with the cost of living hub in Westminster, with the one-stop information in Hertfordshire, which is available to people to help them at this present time. The lines that are there established for energy debt help, these are all mediated through the Catholic Church as well. And we have cooperated with an organization that provides what we call money champions to help people manage their finances better. With regard to the immediate food poverty, uh, we set out on a pathway moving from the relief of food poverty to building food resilience. We're actually continuing with our voucher scheme, the demand for which is at 400%. And in this diocese alone, there are 127 parishes and schools involved in this work. But food resilience is about handling limited resources more effectively. And that's an important part. It's only a part of the crisis that many people are facing today. Another point that we reflected on was the synodal process that Pope Francis has put in effect in the church. The Bishops' Conference has now received the responses from all the dioceses, the summary of all the things that have been put forward and heard and discussed in this first process. And many of the dioceses have sent in their own reflections on those things. That material is all available, I think, on the diocesan website. And it amounts to more than 600 pages for those who want to get a feel for what actually is being said. We began to look at our bishops' conference part of this work. And we have a team that's gathered by Canon Christopher Thomas that's working on the themes that are emerging from those 600 pages. Obviously, we're looking at the key themes of the Synod, which are about mission. How is this gospel presented more effectively? Communion, how do we draw people in? And the participation of everybody in that. The work of that group, and therefore the summary of the themes that have been heard, will be presented at an extra meeting on the 1st of June. And then it's the role of the Bishops' Conference to have their own reflection and to issue, as it were, their own position paper on where we see ourselves to be. And that we will do over the days of the 28th and the 28th, 9th of June. And then we should be ready to hand on our work back to the Synod Office in Rome and to the discussions at European level. Three other things very quickly. We noted and talked a little bit about the forthcoming tour of Britain of the relics of St. Bernadette from Lourdes. And uh, this is a way in which we want the appeal of the Shrine of Lourdes, which is astonishing, to, as it were, find an echo in every diocese in this country. Those relics will move around diocese to diocese from the 3rd to the 30th of September. And they'll include some unusual places. So there will be a, a visit of these relics to Wormuth Scrubs, for example, towards the end of the visit. We also had reports from two of our organizations, one called Missio, which teams up efforts in this country with mission work around the world. And the other was called Stella Maris, which is the mission to seafarers. Seafarers, hugely important in the world economy and often working in extremely difficult conditions. 
And we're very proud that Stella Maris UK is an energetic hub for a worldwide support offered to seafarers. So in any port, a seafarer can come forward with problems or dramatic difficulties. And this network can alert cooperators in the next port that is going to, whether that's in South America or in the Philippines or anywhere. So we're very proud of the work of Stella Maris. And finally, this was an important moment for us visiting Wales. We visited the Welsh Parliament, the Sineth, and we had a, a Cardiff Castle reception at which the First Minister and others' representatives from the Parliament of Wales attended. And we had a gala dinner with Lord Duffydell and Thomas and the High Sheriff present. Perhaps the providential point of this was this moment marks the retirement of Archbishop George Stack as Archbishop of Cardiff and the entry of the next Archbishop, Mark O'Toole, who will be installed as the Archbishop of Cardiff on the 20th of June. And this investment of our time and effort to Wales has, as it were, given him a flying start. And for that, we're very grateful.